Section 161 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 161. London, January 15, 1754. My dear friend, I have this moment received your letter of the 26th past from Munich. Since you are got so well out of the distress and dangers of your journey from Mannheim, I am glad that you were in them. Condice i diletti, memorii di penne, na sace sia bene, ci mal non soffri. They were but little samples of the much greater distress and dangers which you must expect to meet with in your great, and I hope, long journey through life. In some parts of it flowers are scattered with profusion, the road is smooth and the prospect pleasant, but in others, and I fear the greater number, the road is rugged, beset with thorns and briars, and cut by torrents. Gather the flowers in your way, but at the same time guard against the briars that are either mixed with them, or that most certainly succeed them. Thank you for your wild boar, who now he is dead, I assure him, si la sera bien mange malgre qu'il enact, though I am not so sure that I should have had that personal valor, which so successfully distinguished you in single combat with him, which made him bite the dust like Homer's heroes, and, to conclude my period sublimely, put him into that pickle, from which I propose eating him. At the same time that I applaud your valor, I must do justice to your modesty, which candidly admits that you were not overmatched, and that your adversary was about your own age and size. Americassin, being under a year old, would have been below your indignation. Bete de Campagna, being under two years old, was still, in my opinion, below your glory. But I guess that your enemy was in Ragot, that is, from two to three years old, an age and size which, between man and boar, answer pretty well to yours. If accidents of bad roads or waters do not detain you at Munich, I do not fancy that pleasures will, and I rather believe you will seek for, and find them, at the carnival at Berlin, in which supposition I eventually direct this letter to your banker there. While you are at Berlin, I earnestly recommend it to you again and again, pray care to see, hear, know, and mind everything there. The ablest prince in Europe is surely an object that deserves attention, and the least thing that he does, like the smallest sketches of the greatest painters, has its value, and a considerable one, too. Read with care the Code Frederick, and inform yourself of the good effects of it in those parts of his dominions where it has taken place, and where it has banished the former chicans, quirks, and quibbles of the old law. Do not think any detail too minute or trifling for your inquiry and observation. I wish that you could find one hour's leisure every day to read some good Italian author, and to converse in that language with our worthy friend, Signor Angelo Cori. It would both refresh and improve your Italian, which of the many languages you know I take to be that in which you are the least perfect, but of which, too, you already know enough to make yourself master of, with very little trouble, whenever you please. Live, dwell, and grow at the several courts there, Use them so much to your face that they may not look upon you as a stranger. Observe and take their ton, even to their affectations and follies, for such there are, and perhaps should be at all courts. Stay in all events at Berlin, till I inform you of Sir Charles William's arrival at Dresden, where I suppose you would not care to be before him, and where you may go as soon after him as ever you please. Your time there will neither be unprofitably nor disagreeably spent, he will introduce you into all the best company, though he can introduce you to none so good as his own. 
He has of late applied himself very seriously to foreign affairs, especially those of Saxony and Poland. He knows them perfectly well, and will tell you what he knows. He always expresses, and I have good reason to believe very sincerely, great kindness and affection for you. The works of the late Lord Bolingbroke are just published, and have plunged me into philosophical studies, which hitherto I have not been much used to, or delighted with, convinced of the futility of those researches. But I have read his philosophical essay upon the extent of human knowledge, which, by the way, makes two large quartos and a half. He there shows very clearly, and with most splendid eloquence, what the human mind can and cannot do, that our understandings are wisely calculated for our place in this planet, and for the link which we form in the universal chain of things, but that they are by no means capable of that degree of knowledge which our curiosity makes us search after, and which our vanity makes us often believe we arrive at. I shall not recommend to you the reading of that work, but when you return hither I shall recommend to your frequent and diligent perusal all his tracts that are relative to our history and constitution, upon which he throws lights, and scatters graces which no other writer has ever done. Reading, which was always a pleasure to me, in the time even of my greatest dissipation, is now become my only refuge, and, I fear, I indulge it too much at the expense of my eyes. But what can I do? I must do something. I cannot bear absolute idleness. My ears grow every day more useless to me, my eyes consequently more necessary. I will not hoard them like a miser, but will rather risk the loss than not enjoy the use of them. Pray let me know all the particulars, not only of your reception at Munich, but also at Berlin. At the latter, I believe, it will be a good one, for his Prussian majesty knows that I have been long an admirer and respecter of his great and various talents. Adieu. End of section 161. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.